He looked away and shouted, Jaya, can you put some clothes on? I've told you, I don't like you walking round like that. You mean naked? He jumped out in front of her, then ran into the bathroom saying, I'm going out. Out? What do you mean? Out where? Then she realised what he meant. For years she blocked out the fact that we still went in the ocean, but now she was face to face with it again. She heard him opening and closing the bathroom cabinet doors. He shouted, Have you seen my skin jars? She spoke to him through the closed bathroom door. I put all your stuff on the shelves by the sink. She heard him rooting around. Oh yeah, thanks. The door flew open. B jumped back at the sight of Jaya's naked chest in her face. I told you to put some clothes on, she said, trying to move out of his way. He unscrewed the jar and took out a scoop of gel and started rubbing it on his legs. We're off for a swim. You want to come? He looked at her, but she still had her face turned away. He covered his entire body in the thick green gel that his skin absorbed almost immediately. It left him with a silver and green sheen. He applied a second coat and B took herself off to the kitchen to make herself a coffee. She couldn't get into an argument about him going swimming. That would open up a wound that hadn't fully healed, even after all these years. Like a burn to the skin that initially stings intensely and leaves a darkening scar for years and years. And B is the one who remembers, even when remembering is like a dislocated shoulder. The ball and socket joint was only ever held in place by ligaments and tendons, and when torn they repair slowly. Closing down was the only way she coped, but we were slowly prizing her open. The skin gel we've developed lets us swim in the open sea without the need for wetsuits. It keeps our body temperature stable no matter what the water temperature is, even when it's close to freezing. And this means we can all swim naked, which of course we love. We added the silver green tinge so we look more aquatic and the pulsing phosphorescence makes our bodies glow when we swim at night and into the dawn. We modified the gel so it gives off various chemicals to repel anything that might sting or be tempted to take a bite out of us. Free diving like this attracts the curiosity of all kinds of fish and sea mammals who would have swam the other way if we still had all our noisy scuba. But now, in the empty silence, we attract not only our ocean-going friends, but also memories that float out of the human mind and into the sea in which we swim in. In the ocean, we feel what you feel. We see what you see. We hear you. As we swim shimmering in our phosphorescent glow, a flock of rays sweep past us, brushing us with their broad cloaks. A shoal of turtles on their thousand kilometre trek, and whales, plenty of them. We join them in their strange dance, pogoing vertically up and down, until finally we begin in our swim to understand what it is they're desperately trying to say. 
what they're desperately trying to communicate. Get out of the way. Get out of the way. The silver and green merman put his head round the kitchen door and said, Have you seen my fins? They're in the cupboard in the hallway, B said, then added, Where you left them? Thanks, Ma. He flashed her a smile, hoping to make her laugh, then he disappeared. We keep a watch on them, you know, female Sam said in her warmest voice. B sipped her coffee. I know. With Jaya gone, B drifted from room to room, tidying up the trail of devastation he left in his wake. He'd arrived at the beginning of the week announcing he was staying with her for their final prep before they left for the Global Ocean Floor Conference. Their time of recompression, he called it. He said, the medical team won't give you your final jabs if you don't sort out your sleep pattern. He was taking an air of authority he'd never used with her before. I'm here to make sure you eat properly, cut down on the drinking and stop smoking, at least for a week. In this state, your body's producing 50% less antibodies, so the final course of injections they want to give you won't really work unless you sleep properly and we get you healthy. He insisted on sleeping in her bed, which she refused point blank. How am I supposed to get my proper sleep with your great sweaty body next to me? He set up a mattress next to her bed. We have to be in close physical proximity for as long as possible to form the necessary bond. Necessary for what? It takes a while, he said. She let him have his mattress. She was getting used to giving in. It was actually easier than she imagined. Sam relieved her of her duties and responsibilities and she stopped going to the office. She had eight hours uninterrupted sleep and woke each morning to the gentle sound of Jaya quietly singing to himself. In her dream, Bee was walking along the corridors of Triton just like normal. She could have been anywhere on any floor. She had no idea how long she'd been walking. Without realising it, she picked up her pace and was now running. Was she chasing something or being chased? Was she the hunter or the prey? She banged her shoulder into the wall on one of the sharp corner turns. She felt the dull ache in her muscle and liked it. She banged into the wall again on the next turn. Then she started hitting herself off the walls on purpose. She ricocheted down the corridors like she was in a pinball machine. There was a wall right in front of her. She ran at it with everything she had and ran at it again. She felt the whole structure of Triton shudder. The floor in front of her fell away, leaving an open chasm that she didn't dare look down into, an open chasm that seemed to be drawing her in. She couldn't pull away. She looked down into the opening and saw the metal structural supports collapsing. The whole of Triton was collapsing in on itself. Bee woke with a jolt and realised she'd fallen asleep on the sofa. She'd been lying on her arm and it had gone numb. Her shoulder ached and she dribbled down the side of her mouth. She swung herself up to sitting. Jaya was cooking fish for breakfast. Even though he'd showered, he still had a green and silver tinge to his skin. When we swim every day, that tinge becomes almost permanent. It shimmers in certain lights and makes our eyes seem even more bright and beguiling. 
Without looking up from his frying pan, Jaya jumped straight off the deep end. You're the only one who still remembers Kid Jaya, you know. We all appreciate that. We know you feel it like we do. He saw her dried tears and he saw something he hadn't seen before. She started to let go and didn't know how to stop unravelling. He rattled the frying pan and flipped the fish. You know he's not dead, don't you? He said casually. B hated it when he did this, throwing out a baited line that never failed to hook her in. She couldn't stop herself. What the hell are you talking about? He carried on cooking and started reeling her in. Kid Jaya, he is dead. Of course, in one sense, he drowned and that was tragic. But he's not really dead dead. You keep him in your thoughts, in your heart, in your dreams, just as we do. So he doesn't die till we all die. As Jaya spoke, B drifted off. It sounded like he was setting sail on the half-baked, nostalgic, romanticised journey he often journeyed on, but he switched tack and took her to a new location. We all breathed his molecules. They entered our bloodstream and ran round every organ of our bodies. We shared fluids, you might say. He shot her a cheeky glance to see if she was playing. Then he brought two plates of mackerel over to the table, served up with a squeeze of lime and his special mango dressing. He peeled the flesh from his fish and with a juicy mouthful he said, I'm not the same me as I was back then. Every bone has regrown, every skin cell has died and been replaced. But the memory of Kid Jaya is still alive and in a very real and physical sense he is alive. In the sense of him being built into the architecture of my brain, it's billions of interconnected superhighways. And beyond the brain, he tapped his head, then opened his hand, letting his fingers open to the ceiling. Beyond the biology, he's alive in the Jaya. He finished what he was saying, sure that it had hit its mark. He devoured a chunk of fish triumphantly and said, This fish is good, isn't it? B took a bite. The fish was good. It melted in her mouth. She noticed Jaya's wristband was glowing, slowly pulsing with light. She looked at him to see if he was showing any sign that might explain the wristband, but he was absorbed in stabbing and shoveling fish into his mouth. He put his fork down and held two fingers to each temple, then closed his eyes and said, What am I thinking? He opened one eye to look at her. Did you get it? B shrugged. You were thinking about swimming. Chaya slapped his leg with excitement. You see, you can read my mind. It's that easy. Let's try it again. Concentrate. Now what am I thinking? B closed her eyes and immediately felt a space open up that seemed to unpack itself like a box. And when she looked in the box, there was a tiny horse. A perfect miniature palomino, alive and flicking its tail. She opened her eyes and looked at Jaya's grinning face. He picked up his fork and carried on eating. B looked at his pulsing friendship bracelet. She felt an ache in her neck, in her shoulder. She suddenly felt tired, like she could fall asleep in her breakfast plate. Jaya made over-exaggerated eating noises as he loaded up his fork. B took a bite of her fish, rolled it round in her mouth, then swallowed it down. She coughed violently. Jaya jumped up from his seat and started slapping her back. She couldn't swallow. She couldn't breathe. She coughed and gulped for air. She went red. 
She hacked at the back of her throat till whatever was there was dislodged and came into her mouth before she spat it out on the table. Jaya picked out a tiny feather in amongst the piece of fish she'd coughed up. He wiped it clean and held it up. The black and white markings formed a widening spiral. Now would you look at that, he said. B stared at the feather. What kind of strange feather was this? As far as she knew, no birds had feathers with spiral markings. And how did it get in the fish? She could still feel its taste in her mouth. She could still feel where it got stuck in her throat, where it had been stuck for a long time. The feeling and smell of it being stuck in her throat echoed and repeated in her mind. It felt like all her fears, anxieties, worries, burdens, terrors, furies, anger, rages, annoyances, irritations, regrets and grudges. She raced through all the possible meanings a feather might have, but none of them related to a feather stuck in the throat. She decided she'd ask Sam later, but for now she resigned herself to the idea that it was just another of Jaya's pranks. Jaya appeared in the doorway dressed in a shimmering green suit. B had been ruminating, going over how annoying it was having someone in her living space, how annoying it was having Jaya in her space, how he never tidied up or cleaned up. But now, looking at Jaya each, this internal monologue seemed removed somehow, like she was listening to it on the radio in another room. The sight of him shimmering before her shooed all those niggles away. His green suit was made from the synth fabrics we create in the labs. The fabric can hug your body tight and be supportive, or it can be loose, flowing and smooth. Jaya's suit was in its relaxed flowing mode. Its translucent glow went well with the silvery green tinge of his skin. We're going out, he announced, a little too dramatically. You might want to dress up a little. Before Bee could ask where they were going, her mind was reeling. She was imagining out meant in the ocean, swimming. This tipped her into a full-blown panic. Jai each corrected himself. I should have said we're going in rather than out, but going in sounds a bit odd. I'm taking you to the Jaya Palace. They've organised our leaving celebrations so it would make sense for us both to be there. This is when we first noticed he was referring to us as them.